Welcome to another special episode of Coffee House Questions. This is Ryan Polly. The following podcast is part two of a series done at Rock Harbor Fullerton's Questions class, and it will be covering the cosmological argument for the existence of God. I hope you enjoy. All right, one thing I want to say really quick, um, as we're still on this slide, it's important when you're having a conversation with someone to kind of understand where they are on the level of these four questions. If you're evangelizing, you're talking with a coworker, and you start to ask them questions, uh, and they say, well, there is no truth, and we can't know truth. Sometimes what Christians like to do is they jump immediately to, Jesus died for your sins, here's the gospel message. Well, what's the problem? They don't believe it's true. Or the same thing, God loves you. Well, they don't even believe that God exists. And so what I like to say is not to say we should never use the Bible or we should never quote scripture. Of course not. But if they don't even believe that it's truth, we kind of have to step back a little bit. Okay, let's first set the ground. Okay, we agree that there's truth. We can know it. Okay, now, does God exist? And so this is kind of the stepping stone process. And so it's kind of when you're in conversations to evaluate. Hey, if they believe that there's truth and they believe in the existence of God, but they're just not sure about if Jesus really rose from the dead and did all the miracles, okay, we can start there. We can start looking at miracles. And so it's important to kind of evaluate where the person is that we're talking to uh, before we just jump straight into uh, quoting scripture or something like that. Now, there are times that that works, and that's good, but we also have to know, okay, is this person rejecting that? Do we need to kind of reevaluate where we're at and what we need to be talking about? Does that make sense? All right, does God exist? Uh, We're going to be looking at three great arguments for the existence of God. And I want to say really quickly, all three of these arguments are taught in Scripture. You see them in Scripture, but you don't need Scripture to get to these points. And so this, to me, I found to be extremely helpful. Uh, A lot of the students I deal with love science. They have a huge respect for science, but they don't believe in God. And so when you can use science to show them that God exists, it becomes very powerful. And so the first argument that we're going to look at is called the cosmological argument or the argument based on the beginning of the universe. And this is basically what it says. It says, um, everything that begins to exist has a cause. The universe began to exist, therefore the universe has a cause. If our universe began to exist, something had to cause it to begin to exist. And that's the basic idea uh, behind the cosmological argument or the argument based on the beginning of the universe. Uh, The second one we're going to look at is the design argument or the teleological argument. And this pretty much says that all design needs a designer. The universe has been designed, therefore the universe needs a designer. We see design, someone or something had to design it. And then the last one we'll look at is the moral argument. And this is, if God does not exist, objective moral values do not exist. Objective moral values do exist, therefore God exists. And so these three arguments, the first two are are scientific, the last one philosophical. Um, But you'll see that when we get done with these, uh, we won't use scripture. uh, But when we get done, you get the biblical view of God. And so we'll jump in. Uh, in the beginning of the universe with the cosmological argument, everyone says that it came in with a bang. Now, some Christians kind of get a little bit nervous, go, no, no, not the big bang, right? 
because we have this understanding that Big Bang and evolution go hand in hand. And that is not true. The Big Bang, the idea of how our universe started, and then evolution, how animal life evolved, are two completely different topics. Uh, I think that the Big Bang points very strongly in favor of the existence of God. And there's two ways that kind of people put it. Either one, the Big Bang needs a Big Banger. Frank Cherokee puts it this way, um, yes, I believe in the Big Bang, I just know who banged it. In order for there to be a bang, someone or something had to start it. Someone had to do it. And for my argument, I would say that that is, is God. And so to me, the Big Bang does not go against Christianity. It is the most accepted view of how our universe came into being. And in fact, even Stephen Hawking said almost everyone now believes that the universe and time itself had a beginning at the Big Bang. This is in agreement with everyone. Alexander Vlenkin, who is a cosmologist uh, from Tufts University, says it this way. He says, with proof now in place, cosmologists can no longer hide behind the possibility of a past eternal universe. There is now no escape. They have to face the problem of a cosmic beginning. Now, why were, it says cosmologists were hiding behind the possibility of a past eternal universe. But now they have a problem of a beginning. Why does the beginning create a problem? If you have a beginning, you need a beginner. If our universe was eternal in the past, then we don't need a God to create it. And you can get away from the need for a God. But now that all science is pointing to the fact that our universe began to exist, you now need a beginner. And that creates a problem. Alexander Vilenkin is uh, agnostic. He's not a Christian. Uh, but he believes in what's called the multiverse theory. Uh, which is that there's multiple, in, possibly even an infinite number of universes. Our universe had a beginning, but it's just a part of this infinite number of universes. Um, that can't be true because even the multiverse needs a beginning. And we'll look at that here in a little bit. Uh, but that's kind of the conclusion that he comes to. Um, here's the scientific evidence that our universe had a beginning. And you can memorize it in the acronym SURGE. Uh, we're not going to go through all of these in detail, uh, but the first two, I think, are very easy to understand and very important uh, to have an idea. The first one is the second law of thermodynamics. Does anyone know what this states? Science? Oh, is that? I didn't know what the first law was. Wait, second law is matter cannot be created or destroyed. That first law. First law. Matter cannot be created or destroyed. Second law? Oh, yeah. Uh, equal and opposite reaction, and we are running out of usable energy. We're running out of energy. Uh, the second one, the U in surge, is the universe is expanding. The expansion of our universe shows us that there is a beginning. Uh, the radiation afterglow, great galaxy seeds, and Einstein's theory of general relativity. We won't go over the last three in depth. Uh, if you want more information on that, you can talk to me afterwards uh, or get the book and get the information from there. But we're going to quickly kind of go over those first two. First of all, uh, the second law of thermodynamics says that the universe is running down of usable energy. Now, how do we know that this, how does this point to the beginning of a universe? Well, if we're running out of energy and our universe is infinite, we would have run out of energy by now. And think of it uh, as a flashlight. If you turn on a flashlight and you place it out here and you come back tomorrow, it's either one, going to be dead, or two, very dim. It only has a limited amount of energy that it can use. And as it uses it up, it gets less and less, and finally it will 
die. Same thing with our phones, right? We have to keep recharging it. Now, with the second law, it says that, no, we're not getting new energy. We have a limited amount of energy. Energy cannot be created or destroyed. And so as we use up our energy, we are running out. If we're running out, it points to the fact that at one point we had to start. Right? You think of even a car. You fill up your tank with gas. You turn it on. You're slowly running out of gas until it's on empty. The fact that a car is running, you know that at one point someone filled it up. Does that make sense? And so uh, if our universe is eternal, we would have already ran out of energy by now. The fact that we haven't run out of energy and we're still in existence shows that our universe had a beginning and we're still slowly running out. Um, the U, the universe is expanding. If, the, if time were reversed, the universe would collapse back into nothing. Think about this. Our universe is slowly expanding outward, outward, outward. If you hit reverse, you come back in, back in, back in. Can you go in reverse for an infinite amount of time in the past? No, at one point you collapse back into nothing. So the fact that our universe is slowly expanding points to the fact that if you go back in time, there is a beginning where it starts to expand. Again, that's great evidence for the Big Bang, but also the fact that God created it at some point in the finite past. Um, some atheists try and kind of get around this and say that we're in this constant expansion and contraction, and right now we're expanding. Uh, those theories have a lot of issues to them. Uh, but what's important to understand is this idea that if we're expanding, there has to be a beginning uh, where we collapse back in on nothing. Um, and then just very quickly, we're not going to go into these, but uh, the radiation afterglow, that just is saying that there, we have discovered uh, this uh, heat from, that is a leftover from the explosion at the beginning. And uh, they discovered that and won the Nobel Prize. That is, um, their names Arno uh, Penzias and Robert Wilson. They discovered this back in 1965. Um, after that, they discovered the great galaxy seeds, which are like uh, they sent... The satellite, the Cosmic Background Explorer, up into orbit in 1992. Uh, they won the Nobel Prize in 2006. But it discovered um, the kind of a, a, gra a ripple effect um, from the beginning of the universe. And it was the, um, they were looking for the variation in temperature. Uh, but what they found were that there was ripples that showed that at the very beginning, the, the, the expansion of our universe was the perfect rate of expansion. And what they now know is that if we would have blown up or expanded faster, it would have gone out too fast and we would not exist. And if it would have expanded slower, it would have gone like boof and then collapsed back in on itself. And so what they discovered here is that we actually expanded at the absolute perfect speed for our universe to stay in existence, which is just fascinating when we look at the fine tuning. Um, and then uh, the last one is Einstein's theory of general relativity. And the main thing this points to is that it shows that all matter, space, and time came into existence at the beginning of the universe. That before the beginning, there was no matter, there was no space, there was no time, there was no energy. In fact, did any of you hear uh, a couple, when was it, about a couple months ago, uh, there was a discovery of uh, gravity waves? Did any of you hear about the gravity wave discovery? That was a big discovery because that was something that Einstein predicted, that we should see gravitational waves. Um, but we haven't discovered, we haven't, we haven't seen it. And then just a few months ago, um, we detected gravity waves for the first time. And so that was another thing that just confirmed Einstein's theory that says all space, matter, and time 
came into existence at the beginning. Um, so why is it important that we understand that all space, matter, and time came into existence? Because whatever existed before space, matter, and time has to be spaceless, timeless, and immaterial. Also, whatever existed before space, matter, and time and created space, matter, and time has to be extremely powerful. And so from just this beginning of the universe, from the cosmological argument, what we get is a spaceless, timeless, immaterial, and extremely powerful being. Science in the beginning of the universe is starting to point us to a person that looks a lot like God. Robert Jastrow, the founder of NASA's uh, Goddard Institute of Space Studies, says it this way. Astronomical evidence leads us to a biblical view of the origin of the world. The essential element in the astronomical and biblical accounts of Genesis is the same. The way that the Bible describes the beginning of the universe, that God spoke it into existence, and what we see from astronomy and cosmology and this stuff, it lines up. That there was a beginning, and before the beginning, there was nothing. And I like this. This, again, is Robert Jastrow. And uh, he says, astronomers now find that they have painted themselves into a corner because they have proven by their own methods that the world began abruptly in the act of creation to which you can trace the seeds of every star, every planet, and every living thing in this cosmos and on the Earth. And they have found that all this happened as a product of forces they cannot hope to discover, that there are what I or anyone else would call supernatural forces at work is now, I think, a scientifically proven fact. That's fascinating. That just through science, they've discovered that all stars, all planets, every living thing had a beginning at the beginning of our universe. And it's only through supernatural forces that we can get that. Um, a few other Nobel Prize winners um, stating on the biblical evidence and creation. Uh, the best data we have concerning the Big Bang are exactly what I would have predicted had nothing, if I had nothing to go on with the five books of Moses, the Psalms, and the Bible as a whole. If I had to predict what the beginning of the universe would look like only reading the Bible, that's exactly what science is showing me that it looks like. Robert Wilson says, certainly there was something that set it all off. I can't think of a better theory to fit the origin of the universe to match Genesis. And then the last one, George Smoot. There is no doubt that a parallel exists between the Big Bang as an event and the Christian notion of creation out of nothing. And so here from a scientific perspective, we see an extreme amount of evidence pointing to God as a creator. Um, this is the last one. This is uh, a philosophical argument for the beginning of the universe. And here's the best way that I learned how to explain this. We have the present here today. And everything is in the past. Yesterday, the day before yesterday, and last week. And here's how the argument pretty much goes. If the past were infinite, if there was never a beginning, and, the, and, and we have existed for an infinite time in the past, then today would have never arrived. And the best way I learned how to explain this is by singing a, a song that a lot of people sing as kids. And I'll change it since we're here. Uh, but if you were to sing, let's say, uh, 99 cans of Coke on the wall. Right? So if you start at 99, you get 99 cans of Coke on the wall, 99 cans of Coke. You take one down, you pass it around. 98, 98 cans. Okay, so if you start at 99, will you hit zero at some point? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay, so if you have a limited amount of cans on the Coke, you will at one point hit zero. And I want you to think of zero as the present. 
when you finally hit zero and all the cans, this is the past, right? 99 days ago, 98 days ago, 97, all right? Now, just think of it this way. If you had an infinite number of cans of Coke on the wall, you take one down, you pass it around, an infinite number of cans of Coke on the wall. You take one down, you pass it around, an infinite number of cans of Coke on the wall. You take, will you ever hit zero? No. And so I think that's a good example of saying if there was an infinite number of past events, we would never arrive at the present. Just like if there's an infinite number of cans of Coke, you'd never hit zero. This is a little bit more complex, but what it's saying is, hey, if, if we've existed for an infinite number of years, as some atheists say, there's never a beginning, or at least they used to say, before we've kind of discovered all this, uh, then we wouldn't exist today. And the fact that we exist today proves that there was a beginning. And so, if the universe had a beginning, then it must have had a beginner, and there's two options. Either no one created something out of nothing, the atheistic view, or someone created something out of nothing. Which view is more reasonable? Is it more reasonable that absolutely no one, nothing, created everything out of nothing? Or that someone created everything from nothing? See, so the second one seems a lot more reasonable because we always know that when something is created, it needs someone to create it. I asked this question to someone once. If there is no God, why is there something rather than nothing? I was in a conversation online, and the person was saying that uh, everything has existed, matter has existed eternally, and so I was going through the philosoph philosophical and the second law of thermodynamics, trying to show that there was a beginning, that we're not eternal, and they kept saying, no, matter is eternal, everything is eternal, and I said, okay, so if there's no God, why is there something rather than nothing? And the response I got was, there is nothing. And I went, what do you mean there's nothing? And they said, nothing exists. And I said, well, you just said everything was eternal. How can everything exist and be eternal and then also not exist? And the response I got was, have you even graduated from junior high? Now, again, if you know kind of logic and stuff, that's an ad hominem, attacking someone's character. And so I said, you know, maybe I, and so my response, I said, maybe I didn't graduate from junior high, but you're contradicting yourself. I said, is matter eternal or does it not exist? And they said, get a degree and then I'll talk to you. <laughs> and obviously, I think that my thing, I think that they saw that what they were saying didn't make sense. And all they could do was attack my character, attack my education uh, to get around it. But if there is no God, why is there something rather than nothing? Why don't we just, why do we exist? How, where did we come from? How did we get here? Some people uh, call that God of the gaps. And very basically, it's, this is what it's saying. is You have a gap in your knowledge. We don't know where we came from. And you just kind of put God in the middle of the gap. You don't, you don't know something, and so you just say, God did it. The problem is that I'm not saying we don't know anything. We just went through a lot of stuff that we do know. We do know there's a beginning, and things that have a beginning need a beginner. And so it's not just putting God in a gap in my knowledge. But it really is... Um, looking at the evidence, and it's pointing to the existence of God. All time, matter, and space had a beginning. Therefore, whatever started it had to be timeless, spaceless, and immaterial. So are there any questions um, on the cosmological before we move to the next one on design? 
evidence for the beginning of the universe? Yeah. Yes. But it's yeah. So what's it's going from usable energy to unusable energy. Yeah, so the energy is still there, but it's not usable. Yeah, good question. Yes? Um, so then, um, as far as talking about that everything has to have a creator and it goes out infinitely, what, what do we do when we get to the point of who is the creator of our creator? Like, how does yeah. it end right there? That's a great question. Um, let's see if I can put this in a short way. That's the question that all the atheists ask, right? If, if our universe needs a creator, then who created God? The problem is if, if, if God has a creator, then what we get is this. We keep going back, who's the creator, 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 until you have an infinite regress, and that's impossible. And so at one point, we have to hit a, the first cause. And the first cause has to be uncaused. It has to be eternally existing. And, and a, lot of, a lot of people you'll talk to, if, they're, if, if they've kind of looked into this, they will agree with you. And so the question becomes, is the first cause, is the thing that created everything that is uncaused itself, that is eternal, it has to, it's either the universe or it's an immaterial being. Those are our two options. It's either God or it is the universe. Atheists will say that only the universe exists. So the universe has to be the eternal thing. But science shows us that matter, energy, and space can't be eternal, that it had a beginning. Plus, the universe can't cause itself. It didn't exist. Uh, one, one person says, I think it was Frank Turek, he says, it's like saying, uh, if you give me enough time, I'll give you proof that I gave birth to my mother. Well, no, that's impossible. I didn't exist before my mother existed. And the same thing, it's like, saying, it's like saying, if you give science more time, we'll show you that the universe gave birth to the universe. Well, no, the universe did not exist to create itself. Um, and so both sides will say, you finally get back to the point where there is the uncaused first cause. What is it? Does that make sense? There's another way I, I, I like. Uh, J.P. Moreland, who's a professor of philosophy at Biola, uh, he says it this way. Uh, let's see if I can put this in a short response. He says um, that there are two different types of, of beings. There's what's called a borrowing lender and an owning lender. A borrowing lender is someone that in order to lend something to someone, you first have to borrow it from someone else. right? So if you come and ask me for a, a phone, and I don't have a phone, I can say, oh, I don't have one, but I'd love to get one for you. And so I go borrow a phone from someone else, and then I give the phone to you, right? Now, this is what we do with our existence. In order for me to give existence to my children, I first have to receive existence from who? My parents. In order for my parents to give me existence, they have to receive existence from their parents, right? And so you have to borrow it from someone before you can give it to someone else. Does that make sense? Now, if, uh, <clears throat> with the phone analogy, if you ask me for a phone, I say, I'm sorry, I don't have one for you, but let me find one. And I go to the next person, I say, hey, do you have a phone I can borrow so I can lend it to my friend? And they say, oh, I don't have one, uh, but let me find someone that does. And they go to the next person and say, uh, can I borrow a phone so I can lend it to a friend? They say, oh, I don't have one, but let me find someone that does. 
And let's say we keep going back and back and back and back and back, and no one ever has a phone. Will you ever get your phone? No, you won't. And so it's this idea, if you only have what are called borrowing lenders, but no one has just owned it, then you'll never get your phone. The same thing with our existence. If someone has to borrow existence from someone else before they can lend it to another person, but all you have are borrowing, owner, or borrowing lenders of existence, then we would never exist. There has to be a point where someone just owns existence, where they just exist. In the same place, there has to be someone that just has a phone that they're able to lend, to lend, to lend, to lend, so that you can finally get the phone. Does that make sense? And so I think both uh, atheists and Christians will say, yeah, at some point, you finally have to stop where you just have the existing eternal thing. The question is, is it God or is it the universe? And based on this, the universe can't be eternal, so it has to be some immaterial being. I hope you enjoyed the first week's uh, part two on the cosmological ar uh, argument for the existence of God at Rock Harbor Fullerton's questions class. For more information, for videos and uh, articles on the topics that were discussed and questions, uh, and explanation from J.P. Moreland on the question, Who Created God? You can go to coffeehousequestions.com, look for the article titled RHF Questions Class Week 1, and all those following resources will be there for you. I hope you enjoyed, and God bless. Working.